Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. So here it is. Here's how the game works. I'm going to lay it out for you step by step by step because we talk a lot about the haves and have nots. And I mentioned last week how this Elon Musk ongoing Twitter saga fits into that. But I'm going to walk you through step by step how they give you the double barrel middle finger and how it fits into this Elon Musk Twitter thing. It's you're not going to be able to walk away or turn your eyes from it. Welcome to the Dan Bongino show. Let's get right to it. It's about the haves and the have nots and the have nots. It's not all about money. It's not that you just don't have money. It's that you don't have access. Access buys you money. That's the Twitter Elon thing, how they're screwing you. We'll get to that. Don't go anywhere. I've also got an update on the uh, Clinton PP hoax collusion thing, which is uh, exactly what I told you was going to happen is now happening. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. survival rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. Comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers in the role made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. All right, Joseph, let's go. And here we go, Dano. Yes, sir, we do. Very excited about today's show. Here's how the scam works. This is like, I'm sitting here this morning, I'm like, okay, so that you heard about the poison pill thing. The Twitter board introduced a resolution for a poison pill which would basically create a bevy of new shares, which would dilute Elon Musk, right? Elon Musk owns a portion of the shares. Let's use round numbers. He owns 100,000 shares, and there were uh, a million shares of the company. We're just using round numbers. That's not the actual number. Everybody understand? Elon would own then roughly 10%, which is roughly what he owns. Well, if there's 2 million shares, Elon Musk doesn't own 10% anymore. Elon Musk and his 100,000 shares is now worth 5%, right? which means he could vote 5% less, uh, excuse me, 50% less of the shares that he could have in the first place. It's simple math. Why is Twitter, the SEC, the Biden administration, the raging, foaming at the mouth, Cujo left, why are they so eager to stop this guy? Let me walk you through it. They need to control the narratives to get their crap passed. One of the big loads of crap in a diaper they want to get passed is this ESG Green New Deal taking over the energy economy crap. Why? Because the liberals figured out a long time ago, if they control your health care and they control how you uh, power your life, fuel, oil, heat your home, so, and power your business, they control that. What do they control, Joe? They control everything. Yep. Nothing else matters. Throw in school where they can indoctrinate your kids and they control the next generation too. Bingo. It's why they love the energy industry. It's why they're pushing the global warming nonsense and hysteria as hard as they're pushing it. So let's walk through how the game works. And remember, this is how the haves and have nots play the game and how the haves screw you. The haves are about access, not just assets. When you have access to power, you are a have. Let's start here. New York Post. Remember BlackRock? One of the largest investment firms in the world run by Larry Fink, a devout leftist. 
BlackRock takes money from people and they invest it. They have hundreds of billions of dollars in assets. They can sink your company. This is an article from November of 2020. BlackRock poised to replace Goldman Sachs inside the White House. Oh, really? That's a fascinating little tidbit right there. What a nugget. This will be in the newsletter if you'd like to read these articles, by the way. They talk about how Biden is raising eyebrows with chatter. He's poised to name two executives from BlackRock. BlackRock, the asset management colossus headed by billionaire Larry Fink with more than seven trillion in holdings and Biden wants to name him to top posts on his economic team. Gosh, weird. How I, th- I thought Republicans were the ones that connected insiders, billionaires. I thought that's kind of strange. A Biden reports are swirling that Biden has settled on Brian Deese, a current BlackRock executive and former advisor to Obama to lead the national economic council. Strange. Again, I thought Republicans were the ones who were, the billionaires and the billionaire. Bernie tell you, uh, that's, uh, that's me. So here's a little video about Brian Deese, former BlackRock executive who got hired at the National Economic Council inside the Biden White House. Very influential guy. You'll see him on TV talking about Biden's agenda often. So what's the Biden Deese of uh, Deese, Larry, Bla- uh, Larry, uh, Larry Fink, Freudian slip there, Larry BlackRock, <laughs> Larry Fink, BlackRock. What is their agenda? Well, You don't have to listen to me. Just listen to Biden and Brian Deese talking about their agenda. Remember, Deese, a former BlackRock guy. Here, check this out. He'll be one of the youngest NEC directors in history, but he'll be the first who is a true expert on climate policy. If we're going to tackle the climate challenge, we need to make sure that solutions are woven into every output of our policymaking. And getting our economic policy right from the beginning is essential. When I had the privilege of helping to coordinate climate policy for the Obama and Biden administration, we faced a unique set of challenges, how to bring the world together to find a global agreement uh, where there hadn't been one before. So there it is. There's Biden and Brian Deese pushing the global warming hysteria and ESG. ESG is basically code for global warming hysteria. It stands for environmental, social and governance. ESG is a set of, you know, air quotes, principles. There are really no principles. That's why I put the air quotes that lefties want to guide corporations. So, Joe, they don't want businesses anymore um, doing value investing. What they want is they want businesses investing according to what they're going to do for the environment, what they're going to do for social causes and what they're going to do for, you know, governance, responsible oh, governance. That's nice. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, that's, it's nice for them. It's not nice for you. Yeah. I mean, you're like, a you know, Joe's got money invested in places, so it's no good for Joe. But there, you just heard it from them. So just walking through the haves and have-nots and how the game works, BlackRock, left-leaning investment firm, trillions of dollars of assets run by a left-leaning guy, Larry Fink. Guys from BlackRock, notably Brian Deese and others, go to work in the White House. The minute they work in the White House, they start pushing ESG, uh, global warming hysteria. It's the same thing. So I went to a website, you know, Biden is uh, right now, of course, the president. We wish he wasn't. But I went to ESG Today, which monitors ESG, Joe, today. That's why it's called ESG Today, because the lefties and the fact checkers are probably be. But what's ESG Today means? What's ESG doing today? So here it is. This is from March. It says the SEC unveils proposed climate disclosure rules. So Biden's SEC then starts pushing climate disclosure, ESG stuff. Okay, BlackRock likes ESG. BlackRock's Deese goes to work in the White House. The White House hires Brian Deese. 
the SEC, Biden's SEC, then starts pushing the same ESG the BlackRock people like. Well, why would BlackRock, trillions in management, why would BlackRock want so badly to push uh, Green New Deal global warming hysteria? Why would they want that? This took me all of about 30 seconds to find. So I went to the Financial Times and saw this from March 16th of 2022. Joe, Big coincidence, man. Calm down. Calm down. Joe was pushing his story. I'm Dan. It's a scandal. I said, calm down. It's all a coincidence. BlackRock to move 1.4 billion in a corporate bond ETF to an ESG index. Oh, Hmm. so, huh? Stop. Come on. You're like a conspiracy theorist. I mean, BlackRock's going to make money off ESG global warming hysteria being pushed by the Biden White House after the BlackRock guy went to work in the Biden White House. Stop it, Joe. Conspiracy. There's he wearing a tinfoil hat right now. <laughs> Calm down. Calm down. Whew. Not falling for your nonsense again. So wouldn't it be really weird then if BlackRock, which was making money off ESG and whose people were working in the White House to push ESG, like, damn, what does it have to do with Twitter? Stand easy. Stand easy. And Biden's SEC is then pushing companies to buy up a lot of this ESG stuff that would benefit BlackRock. Wouldn't it be really weird if the guy who runs BlackRock, Larry Fink, was on digital recordings, we used to say on tape, talking about how they use BlackRock to force companies to do things. That never happened, right? No, never. Well, if it never happened, then why did it happen? The money ball rule. Here's Larry Fink saying exactly that. Check this out. Well, behaviors are going to have to change. And this is one thing we're, going to, we're asking companies. You have to force behaviors. And at BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors. There you go, folks. Don't listen to me. Listen to Larry. We have to force behaviors. Yes, you do, Larry. Might want to tighten that up and quiet down a little bit. See how the the game works, how the scam works now? BlackRock benefits, BlackRock guy inside the White House. White House pushes what benefits BlackRock. BlackRock says and acknowledges publicly what they're trying to do. Kind of weird, right? Now, what does this have to do with Twitter? Well, ladies and gentlemen, the only way you can get America to commit energy suicide. Energy suicide, meaning... Uh, voluntarily going along with five and eight dollar gas, voluntarily going home with the doubling and tripling of home heating oil. So you freeze to death. The only way you're going to get America to commit energy suicide is by gaslighting. Gaslighting is what? It's a process by which you get people to, you know, you convince people. I'm sorry to repeat this with the gaslighting. I know it gets old, but it's critically important. It's tattooed in your skull how gaslighting works. Gaslighting is a process by getting people to believe in an alternate reality. In other words, hey, there's this other reality out there where you're paying $8 for gas, Joe, and it's good for you. That's an alternate reality. It's a dumb alternate reality. It's hard to get people to believe that. So how do you do it? You lie. You lie about it. You lie often. You lie confidently. And step four, you isolate people from the truth. When people come out and say, wait, $8 a gallon for global warming hysteria, that's crazy. Like we can fix the, you know, the, the, the climate issues without bankrupting people. Nope, you're banned. So BlackRock doesn't want you to hear and Larry Fink doesn't want you to hear 
And Biden and Brian Deese don't want you to hear that this is an energy suicide plan that will enrich the haves and bankrupts the have nots who have access. So you may be saying to yourself, well, what does this have to do with the Twitter story? So I just went to Investopedia, decent site, and I put in who are the major shareholders in Twitter? <laughs> Wouldn't you know? My God. Well, golly, man, look at that. Number four, BlackRock. That's crazy. They have 52 million shares of Twitter. Wow. A 6.5% stake. Gosh, that's so, that's so strange. BlackRock owns Twitter. So what does that have to do with pushing ESG, which would benefit BlackRock because they're invested in ESG while the BlackRock guys in the White House and the White House pushes ESG, even through their SEC. What does that have to do with that? Well, I went to this USA Today article and I said, wow, they, 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 I mean, the coinky dings keep piling up. Here's an article from 2021. Twitter will promote credible information with new climate change topic after criticism over misinformation. So, <laughs> no, no. Re wow. That, uh, wow. Whoa, emoji guy. You know, the big, I'm so shocked. So Twitter at BlackRock holds 52 million shares of over 6% of the company is now going to be a vehicle to gaslight people by isolating them from the truth about global warming and promoting what they call credible information, which really means global warming hysteria. Sounds like Twitter's a tool for making people at BlackRock invested in ESG, who some of them work in the White House. They have making them all very wealthy and wealthy in power, not just money. Sounds like it's a pretty valuable tool, doesn't it? You understand how this now makes everybody richer? You see how the game, oh, the game gets better. I'm not done yet. Don't you worry about that. You sending me a signal there? <laughs> Paul is back today, by the way. He's on a little break. Thank you. It's, it's good to have the lovely Paula in the studio again. Yeah, I do. We do miss you. I miss you. I know the audience. I said we because I know they miss you too. So I just want you to check this article out at Politico first as well. Because Biden has tools at his disposal with Brian Deese to make sure that, you know, they say it's a private company, Twitter. Yeah, it's a private company. Politico, make an example, quote, the SEC weighs its options in latest Elon Musk tussle. This is from just the other day, April 12th. Why is the SEC involved in a in what is a free market transaction unless there's any uh, illegality involved? What's the SEC doing here? Weighing its options. Sounds kind of like the Biden administration's weighing its options to make sure it's gaslighting vehicle, Twitter, that you know, is working on behalf of an agenda that would clearly benefit BlackRock, a BlackRock former executive who now works in the White House. It seems like the Biden SEC is weighing its options to protect their little um, entrenched circle of haves. You see what it's like to have access mm -hmm. to BlackRock, to trillions in assets, to pension funds, to have access to the SEC, to have access in the White House. You see how it works? Now does the poison pill at Twitter make sense? Poison pill, I'll I, again, I can't explain it any simpler. They introduced a poison pill between the time I last saw you on Friday and now. A poison pill resolution by Twitter board, tw Twitter's board does, it, does very simply this. If Elon Musk buys over 15% of the company, or anyone else for that matter, the shareholders have an option of buying more shares at a discounted price. 
Very simply stated, Elon owns roughly 10% now. If they create more stock, because Elon owns a fixed amount of stock, he can buy more, but he owns a fixed amount of stock, not a percent. The percentage is a fixed amount. His share goes down. There are 100 shares of Twitter. You own 10, you own 10%. 200 shares of Twitter, you own 10, you own 5%. Not complicated. I only bring up simple examples because there are liberals listening who legitimately are math incompetent. They still think hiking taxes raise government revenue, besides the fact I can prove them wrong 10 times, uh, uh, seven times a week and twice on Sunday. Maybe three to add up to, uh, add up to 10. Seven plus three. The poison pill is an effort to get Elon out. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate megastores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. Okay, so the haves and have-nots, as I said, I just walked you through the process. You know, BlackRock, White House guy, White House guy, SEC, SEC blocks Twitter, Twitter blocks climate change information. Elon Musk wants to turn into a free speech platform. SEC, White House attacks Elon Musk. Ha, shocker. All one big quinky dink, as we said before. Here's the media rolling this whole thing. Mika Brzezinski saying the quiet part out loud on MSNBC. It's our job to forge narratives right here. Not Elon Musk. Check this out. He's trying to undermine the media, trying to make up his own facts. And it could be that while unemployment and uh, the, the economy worsens, he could have undermined the messaging so much that he can actually control right. uh, exactly what people think. And that yeah. is the that is if our you, job. There it is, folks. That's one of those um, not so rare moments anymore in television where they do say the quiet part out loud. Yeah. I say not so rare because I think at this point, you know, correct me if you think I'm wrong, uh, Joe, but I think at this point they're so arrogant and cocky in their ability to move the public narrative after what they thought was a success with the collusion hoax, the PP hoax and the Hunter Biden laptop that they just openly like yeah, our jobs to lie to you and forge and mold the narrative and you idiots should just sit back and take it. Yeah, I agree with I don't you. Know. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I think I really do. Very I think it's just like I, I don't even think Mika thinks she said anything wrong there. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. They don't want to be made fun of. I mean, no one likes that. I mean, you know, I'm the it's not fun to have your name, you know, trashed in the media, which happens all the time. But I'm dead serious when I tell you, I don't think they regret it at all. I think they mean every word of that and they'll continue to say stuff like that. Folks, the haves and have nots pro uh, problem. I've been talking about it a lot lately and there's a reason. It's not just like a, a cutesy talking point I bring up on the show. You know, I, I really passionately care about this place. I do. I know you do too. I, you know, it's, I get it. It sounds perfunctory to say you're a conservative. Of course, you're going to be a patriot. But I mean it. Like, there's no other place to go. This is it. There's nowhere. Where are you going to go? Canada? Seriously. But Trudeau, where are you going to go? Australia? I mean, Australia's even got their lockdowns were even worse. I love the people over there. If you, it's not about the people. I'm talking about the leadership. I'm not, I wouldn't dare impugn the integrity of Canadians in Australia. I don't do that. I don't stereotype. They're great people. We have a ton of audience over there. But the leaders are atrocious. Ours are really candidly no better. So where are you going to go? We have to fix this place. And I bring it up because you're never supposed to cite your education. It's one of my golden rules, but it's apropos here. So forgive me. I'm asking for apologies in advance. 
When I was in graduate school, I was really passionate about neuropsychology and behavioral learning. And one of the studies that always stuck out in my head in the behavioral learning classes is that even in animals, it doesn't matter how much food you give an animal, they can eat until they throw up and die, right? If you give the animal in the cage next to it and another animal can see it, more food, even though the animal is eaten to the point of like exploding their stomach, they will still be angry that you gave the other animal more. Fundamental unfairness, even in the animal population where they don't say, I think, therefore I am, they're not conscious. We're conscious. We can, what I'm trying to get at is human beings, it's an even more powerful incentive to burn the place to the ground when they feel like there's a class of insiders that have things they don't have. The Democrats have leveraged that inequality narrative for years. It's the Bernie Sanders millionaires and billionaires agenda from day one. The millionaires and billionaires have something you don't. They screwed you. The Democrats are not dumb. They know that uh, that animal narrative of unfairness is even more powerful in humans. What I'm telling you is they're not wrong. You're telling me the Democrats aren't wrong? Yes, they're not wrong. There are a class of haves and have nots. Bernie Sanders isn't wrong. What I'm telling you is Bernie Sanders and his, are the cause of it. They're playing the greatest dipsy do flipperoo you have ever seen in human history. The Democrats, the Democrats are, the, I'm not telling you Republicans don't leverage the swamp and screw people over as haves too. The Democrats are gold medal winners in it. Perfect example. Here was Jen Psaki just about, what, a month, a month and a half ago, a little bit ago, talking about student loans. She's asked the question, you'll hear the reporter in the beginning, hey, the Biden administration's looking at canceling student loans. This is portrayed by, and she says, by the way, that Biden's like all in on this idea, right? This is being portrayed to you by the Bernie AOC progressive crowd, right? As some kind of protecting the have-nots against, okay, you have-nots, you got all the student loan, the banks. By the way, they don't tell you two things here in the student loan narrative. The government owns the student loan business now. Do you notice how they leave that out? You're being exploited, Joe. Who, by the government? The government runs the student loan business. So the government that screwed you is now going to forgive the screwing? And when they say forgive, what do they mean forgive? I'll get to that part in a second because all debts are paid, right? Right. Here's Saki, because this is coming. This student loan forgiveness thing is coming as a pre-election ploy meant to portray the have-nots. Like, look, we're here for the have-nots. They're screwing you. You're have-not because of them. Check this out. Chuck Schumer has also talked about um, the importance of canceling student loan debt. Um, why is this not an issue that, with broad public support and support within its own party in Congress, has the president not worked or pushed for harder on to cancel Well, the, the president has conveyed he'd be happy to sign a bill into law that all of those members could work to get passed. There it is. Saki telling you, in her own words, how Biden is getting ready to do this. They are going to do it before the election because they understand the animal unfairness model works in humans, as I just said. The problem, folks, is twofold. The government runs the student loan business. They're the ones screwing you. You're a have not because of them. The second problem. Student loans aren't loans are never forgiven. Of course they are, Dan. They're discharged. No, no, folks. All debts are paid. Milton Friedman said it best. All debts are paid. How, Dan? If you don't pay it back, it's not paid. Yes, it is. They're either paid by the debtor or the creditor. 
If I loan Joe money and he pays me back, the debt is paid, paid by the debtor. If I loan Joe money and he never pays me back, the debt is paid too, by me, yep. the creditor. There is no debt that's forgiven ever, ever. So now the government who screwed these kids over because the student loan industry is a mess, giving out loans to people, some of them who didn't need them and who managed it horribly, is now going to forgive it, number two, meaning who pays for it, the taxpayer, which is kind of weird because you've got a lot of people out there working their butts off, painters, carpenters, HVAC folks, electricians, some who went to college, some who didn't, but the country works because of them. They built it. They continue to build it. They literally build it. Construction workers, painters, carpenters. You live in a house or have a vehicle you're driving in because of an auto worker or a construction worker that literally built this country, not figuratively. Some went to college, some did not. But their value to society is immeasurable. There is no society without what's in their brains and their skills. And now they're paying off your rich neighbor's kids' basket weaving degree? 13th century feminist degree from East Tuna Fish University, they're paying it? All debts are paid. All debts are paid. But the Democrats are smart. I'll give them that. They're tactically very smart. They want you to believe the student loan thing is a protection racket for the have-nots against the awful financial institutions in the student loans. What they're not telling you is they're running the racket in the government and they're taking money from the taxpayers to pay off the wealthiest members of society, those who have college degrees. What a scam. All right. Uh, I'm just a quick story, and I want to get to my next sponsor, and I want to cover the, the just really, and again, I don't think I'm overselling it, deeply disturbing filing from Sussman in the Clinton case that everything we've told you all along looks right. Let me get to this. And, uh, and it, I met a guy this weekend, a really good uh Good young man. I wanted to tell you about the Navy SEALs, man. The best of the best. I'll get to that in a second. You hear him at the beginning of every show. I talk about ExpressVPN. Why? Because cancel culture and social media sites, you know, you can do something about it. The left wants to silence and boycott any voices they don't agree with. So instead of letting social media sites cancel your right to free speech, how about canceling them instead? Now you, you, can, you know, you could just deactivate all your social media accounts, but that'd be giving the left what they wanted in the first place. Instead, do what I do. Use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN. You ever wondered how free-to-access sites make all their money? Well, they do it by tracking your searches, video history, everything you click on, and they sell your valuable data. When you use ExpressVPN, you anonymize much of your online presence by hiding your IP address. That makes your activity really difficult to trace and sell to advertisers. And ExpressVPN really can't be any easier to use. I use it. I'm not that tech savvy, right, Paula? Can you, Paula's nodding her head in approval. I'm not that tech savvy. You just tap a button on your phone or computer and you're protected. It's super simple. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your data to protect you from hackers and internet bad guys. It's finally time to say no to censorship and take back your online privacy at expressvpn.com slash Bongino. When you go to that uh, special link, you'll get an extra three months of ExpressVPN service for free. That's Express, E-X-P-R-E-S-S, expressvpn.com slash Bongino, expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Protect your data from prying eyeballs today. Don't wait. Okay, getting back to the show. So just 
quickly, brief story. I met a young man this week. I'm not going to say who because I don't want anyone to like, uh, you know, try to cancel him or anything because that's how crazy the left is. But he's a real, I mean, a real hero. Very young guy. Wanted to come over. A friend of a friend. He's a, he's a Navy SEAL. Uh, I'm not going to say what team he's on or anything. But uh, he was describing what these young men go through and, you know, Buds and Hell Week and the classes afterwards. And, uh, you know, as Joe, who has a family member serving heroically in our one of our finer branches out there, the Marines, I love the Marines. I always want to be, you're all awesome. I love you all to that. The Marines, I just, I wanted to go in the Marines when I was younger. But uh, I met this Navy SEAL this weekend and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm talking to him and he uh, was showing me some photos. Joe, he's showing me pictures of his legs when he was going through uh, training and the, you know, the sand and the abrasion from training on the beach and the cold, uh, you know, borderline hyperthermia every day and the sand just like abrades away your skin, yeah. you know, push-ups in the sand, leg lifts. In the, I mean, you can only imagine, Joe, butterfly kicks, you know, you're doing like bomber push-ups, right? His body was just, it looked like someone took sandpaper to his body, Joe. I mean purple. I don't mean red like a scratch. I mean purple, his whole body, just abraded like a way. And he showed me what the scabbing looked like. I'm telling you this not to like gross anybody. I'm telling you so you understand like the SEALs, Marines, Green Berets, Rangers out there, Air Force Combat Control, all these special forces guys out there. You guys and and, and ladies in our military, you're such heroes and you go through so much for our, I mean, I just, I can't express my gratitude enough. He told me this story just quick, a little, if you want to fast forward a second, I understand, but the grossness of it just shows you what they go through. How the worst part of it, Joe, is they go to sleep at night and these things would ooze. You'd like stick to the bed and then you'd wake up in the morning and I'll leave it. You can only imagine the pain, the scabbing. This is what these guys, freezing, PT all day, sleep deprivation. This is what they go through for you. And I'll tell you, it was such an honor to have this young man in my house. What an honor. Sat at my table on Easter and just, he's telling me, you know, how much they, you know, parents like me. I'm like, ah, I like you guys. Forget about me. What am I? I'm just a nobody. I talk for a living. That's all I do. What am I? Just remember that. Real heroes. And thank you to Armacost, family member as well. Went through Marine boot camp, which is, Pretty darn tough, too. That crucible is rough. Oh. You guys are real heroes. So, yeah, know that. So, good. thank you very much. Thank I just you. wanted to get that in there. I haven't thanked our military men and women in a long time. So, the Hillary Clinton debacle continues an explosive filing. Where do we always go when we need solid professional analysis of just how much trouble I believe the Clinton team is in. I'm not talking about legally for the millionth time. I don't trust the DOJ as far as I could throw them to do anything. I'm talking about reputationally. That's all I can talk about. I don't know anything going on in the DOJ. I don't trust it. But this is getting ugly now. So there's a filing this week that launched conveniently over Easter weekend. I'm, wonder, I'm wondering if, that, if it was an attempt to kind of hide it. But this case is getting spicier by the minute. Where do we go? We always go to our buddy Technofog. Techno is the best. His substack is called The Reactionary. It's priceless. Um, I don't care what it, if it's free. You got to go on and just subscribe to it because it's really that good. He breaks down the filing. It's called CIA Bombshell. The Sussman data was, quote, user created. Wait, what? What do you mean? What do you mean? You mean the Trump Tower connection to Russian banks that they said was evidence of collusion was user created? Yeah, yeah, that's what they're saying. 
The link will be in my newsletter, bongino.com slash newsletter, this piece. I strongly recommend you read it. Very simple with this case, because I hate wonkery and people trying to confuse the hell out of you to act like they're smart, okay? So I love about techno. He keeps it simple. There's a new filing by the special prosecutor prosecuting all of the collusion hoaxers. Michael Sussman's one of the lawyers for the DNC and Hillary was involved in the collusion hoax. He went and met with the CIA with this information and said, look, Trump's colluding with the Russians through this Trump Tower computer connection to Russia and Alpha Bank, right? Techno breaks down this. Remember how the Washington Post a few weeks ago freaked out, said there's no evidence they were spying on the Trump White House. Remember that? Well, it's kind of weird because it certainly appears like they were spying at a minimum around the Trump White House from their own legal filing. The first piece talks about this January 31st contact between Sussman and the CIA, where Sussman discussed wanting to provide to the CIA data on, here's a quote, the presence and activity of a unique Russian-made phone around President Trump. It was said that this secret activity started in April of 2016 and continued after Trump's, quote, move to the White House. Wait, didn't Glenn Kessler at the Washington Post attack Technofog and others for saying that there was spying type activity around the White House? Is he going to take it up with uh, Durham in the filing? Is Durham lying under oath here? Suggesting they have evidence that there was spying around the Trump White House? It's right. It's right there, Glenn. It's right there, Glenn. Can you read after his move to the White House? Kind of strange how we're always weeks and months. Here's a listen, little inside scoop on this. Glenn Kessler is a political partisan hack on the left. He's a total goofball and a life loser. His entire job is to parrot Democrat narratives. Someone on the Democrat side winked and nodded, whether it was implied or overt, I don't know, and said, hey, the word spying, we cannot allow the word spying to be used because it's devastating and every American understands what spying means. You have to stop it. So said, They're not spying on the White House. Well, there, it sounds an awful lot like spying around the White House to me. Here's screenshot number two from the Sussman filing and Techno's analysis of it. They note that there was a conference that was used to set up another meeting with the CIA on February 9th of 2017. Joe, 2017, February 9th. Trump's the president uh, then, right? Just check. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is, can you? Is, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Just check. Yeah. I didn't want to screw that up. So at that meeting, Sussman repeated his allegations that a Russian made Yodaphone had been seen at Trump property. See, how would they know that? And had traveled with Trump to Michigan. Man, how would they know that either? He further alleged, quote, that in December of 2016, the Yoda phone was seen connecting to Wi-Fi from the executive office of the president, the White House. Now, that's during that transition period. So now we're talking about being actually inside the EOB. Gosh, that's strange. Sounds an awful lot to me like spying inside the White House at a minimum during that whole transition period, December 2016. Again, just a quick fact check, Joe. That's after the November 2016 election, right? January, February. Yeah. November, December. Okay, thank you. Just yeah. double checking. Want to make sure I didn't get that wrong. So that sounds like spying outside the Trump White House, spying inside at a minimum the transition. Again, Glenn, uh, I know you're a hack and a goofball and an embarrassment to humankind, but maybe an apology to Techno is in order who called it. Um, and maybe you can fact check your fact checks now. Uh, you say, well, it's not spying. It's unauthorized surveillance. You can play the euphemism game somewhere else. We're not going to play your stupid games. Here's the kicker. 
Here is the fist in the face of America about this filing. The Trump Tower alleged computer connection to Russia through Alpha Bank, which we've spoken about a thousand times. What did I tell you? I don't know, a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, a long time ago. I told you that the two biggest revelations that were going to come out because we had some sources here. Uh, the two biggest revelations that were going to come out about the collusion hoax were that the DNC hack um, never happened. There was no DNC hack. They can never prove that the data was exfiltrated. So if the Russians never hacked the DNC, how did Trump work with the Russians to hack the DNC? Gee, I don't know. Maybe they made that up. And I told you the second thing you were going to know, uh, you were going to come to know in the future was that the Trump Tower uh, connection to Alpha Bank was fabricated too. Oh, look. Here it is, right in the filing from this, from this week. Crazy how we're always just a few months ahead of this stuff. It says the CIA reviewed the Trump Yodafone data and the Alpha Bank data in early 2017. The CIA reviewed that. Gosh, the CIA working against Donald Trump. Kind of strange, right? The fact that the CIA accepted this data on President Trump is itself its own scandal. Yes, sir, techno. Yes, sir, it is. CIA looking into the president of the United States and not telling anyone, put that scandal aside for a moment, even though it's a big one. Moving on. In any event, the CIA's findings are significant. Again, the fact that they're looking into it and trying to find anything is quite bizarre in and of itself. But they looked into the alpha connection with Trump Tower and they concluded that the data was, quote, not technically plausible and was, quote, user-created and not machine-tool-generated. Oh, user-created. Now, the special counsel could not reach a definitive conclusion in this regard. I want to conclude that. I want to put that in there because unlike Glenn Kessler and stuff, we do facts. But the special counsel may, in fact, as Techno notes, have an initial conclusion on this and may be withholding until they get to court for their definitive conclusion. But the fact that the CIA was spying on Donald Trump in conjunction with a Democrat lawyer and found out that one of the major tools a Democrat lawyer was uh, using to foster the narrative, this Alpha Bank Trump Tower connection was likely created exclusively by the Clinton campaign and was not even technically plausible. Sounds like kind of a scandal to me, folks. Well, golly, things are getting crazy out there. We warned you. It's only the biggest scandal in American history. Folks, you can't trust these people anymore. I am way past the trust stage of federal law enforcement and intelligence. I'm sorry. I am very sorry. I am in the trust but verified stage. I love our men and women in blue who do their jobs and do them well. There's nobody I respect more. You and our military are the bedrock of a constitutional republic. But the people not doing their jobs right, and I know the ones that are doing their jobs right can't stand the people not doing their jobs right either. You're destroying this country. You can't trust this leadership in the Bureau and these intelligence folks anymore. Which leads me to another bombshell story that came out this weekend. Oddly enough, out of the New Yorker, Ronan Farrow strikes again. This story will be in the newsletter too. Now, if I'm citing a story in the New Yorker, it's probably a big deal because this is a far left-leaning rag that will do anything to attack conservatives. So far be it for me to promote their nonsense. But Ronan Farrow, who's exposed quite a few scandals, seems to have exposed an even bigger one. Another uh, scandal we addressed on this show a long time ago. Joe, remember Pegasus? Ah, uh, yes. No, I'm not talking about the winged horse from Clash of the no. Titans and from Greek mythology. Yes. <laughs> Joe knows what I'm talking about. Talking about Pegasus, the spying program 
for your phone and your devices. Pegasus is no-click spyware. You know what no-click spyware is? It means you don't have to click on anything. It means they send you a text on your phone, and your phone can be hijacked. Everything. The microphone, the camera, the emails, the tweets, the DMs, everything. Your phone is their phone. We warned you about this story a long time ago. I said it was going to be one of the biggest scandals of our time. Well, it's turning into one, and Ronan Farrow wrote a very long piece in the dreadful New Yorker about it that hired that other guy. What is it? What's his name? Evan Oslo? Oslo of the, uh, of the Long Island Oslos or something? He works there. But this piece is actually quite good. Remember what I told you about the private public self, right? What's the difference between totalitarian regimes in the United States? Quick, you got it. Totalitarian regimes, there is no private self. Kim Jong-un wants to spy on you. He just spies on you or kills you. It's that simple. He has your neighbors rat you out. If the neighbors don't rat you out, he kills them too. There is no private self. Whatever you say to people uh, can and will be used against you, but not in a court of law, in a star chamber-like proceeding or in a torture chamber. That's the difference. There is no private self in a totalitarian regime. Folks, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, but we're entering a society now where you have to just assume your device has been hacked if you're a public figure by programs like this. The New Yorker piece is titled How Democracies Spy on Their Citizens. And Farrow reports that this thing is all over Europe, Pegasus. He notes elsewhere in Europe, Pegasus has filled the need for law enforcement agencies that previously had limited cyber intelligence capacity. Look at this. Almost all governments in Europe are using our tools. A former senior Israeli intelligence official added, NSO, which is a company that produces Pegasus, has a monopoly in Europe. German, Polish, and Hungarian authorities have admitted to using Pegasus. Belgian law enforcement uses it too, though it won't admit it. End quote. Folks, this thing is all over the place. It's all around the world. You, say, you may say, well, what's going on here? Well, here's what's going on here. The Times has reported the FBI purchased and tested a Pegasus system in 2019, but the agency denied deploying the technology. I'm sorry, but I'm going to need to verify that. Yeah, I'm in the trust but verify stage of my life. And a guy I've really come to respect a lot, Tom Massey, member of Congress. He is a uh, really good Republican who believes in liberty. He's very concerned about Pegasus, too, because there is no private or public self anymore with Pegasus. Uh, they're probably listening right now through my phone to the show, so you're getting a sneak preview, right, from Pegasus. Here's Tom Massey questioning the FBI's head of cyber about just this question, where he denies it, but I got to tell you, I'm going to need that verified here. Check this out. Does the FBI use this program? It looks like they had a license to it for $5 million. Yeah, so, um, so the FBI uh, has not and did not ever use the NSO products operationally or in any investigation. Uh, we did buy a limited license for testing and evaluation. Those limited licenses are part of our normal exploratory process to understand what other technologies are out there. Uh, but again, we have never purchased it for use operationally or in an ongoing investigation. So your, your division hasn't used this spyware domestically? No, sir. Um, have you detected the use of this software um, domestically? Sir, there's reporting um, in the media about Apple filing a lawsuit against NSO, and there's a lot of information in that article. Um, I can't comment further on your question truly due to classification, uh, but if that is of interest to you, we could consider a, a background briefing. There you go, folks. 
You heard it here. Keep your eyes on Pegasus. I don't trust anyone. I'm very sorry. I trust no one, but you were going to have to verify that and you were going to have to put down and we were going to have to put some legislation in writing about this no-click malware. Because if the FBI can just send a text to your phone and start spying on your phone, what makes you think that them and the CIA won't work to do the same thing they did to Donald Trump in 2016 where they were monitoring Yoda phones, quote, inside the EOP and around the White House? What makes you think they wouldn't do that again? Oh, they said so. Yeah, said so is not working for me. Sorry. Okay. So there is another juicy Smollier-type scandal brewing out of Florida. I live in Florida. You know we love Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis, we have his own. He has his own segment here, Ron DeSantis Strikes Again. He's one of the best governors in the country. Um, I think the best at this point, my IMHL, right? My humble opinion there. But one of the people running against him is this dreadful, dreadful Nikki Fried. She's running in the Democrat primary to be governor. She is probably, I'm listen, I'm not pretending here in any way to be objective, okay? Let me just put that out there. I'm going to try, though. I'm telling you, having run, ran, I, I lost. I ran, so just to be clear, but I ran for office. I've seen a lot of candidates as an analyst, a talking head, whatever you want to call it, radio host and a candidate myself, and then having worked in the White House. I've seen a lot of Democrats and a lot of candidates. She is, I'm not kidding, one of the most tone-deaf, atrocious statewide candidates I have ever seen in my life. She's running in the Democrat primary for the right to run against Ron DeSantis. And she created her own scandal out of thin air this week, kind of like Juicy did. Juicy, scandalous. He was attacked by MAGA supporters. Bleached him. Bleached him, Juicy. They put a noose around his neck and everybody was horrified. Oh my gosh. In Chicago? Like, how did that happen? Well, Nikki Freed, by far, worst statewide candidate I've ever seen. She... <laughs> This is great. This really happened. Washington Examiner, Florida Democrat draws, draws Jesse Smollett comparison over sex tape allegations. Someone was making Joe a sex tape allegation huh? against Nikki Freed. Gosh, that's really weird. Yeah. You know who was doing it, Joe? This is the craziest part. Of Nikki Freed. Oh. Nikki Freed. She tweeted out on her blue check mark verified account. It's absurd that I have to dignify this, but there is no sex tape. Sorry to disappoint. We're, Nikki, we are not disappointed. Also sorry, basically every successful woman has to deal with these types of rumors. They do. That's really weird because I haven't seen every successful woman have to deal with these type of rumors. And it's weird that she's having to dignify something that nobody brought up but her. This is, this is the biggest juicy small yay I've ever seen for a state level politician. She's trying to fabricate her own scandal. There's no sex tape. Okay, great. Nobody's disappointed, Nikki. I promise you. Nobody cares about you or your fake sex tape scandal that you put out there and created. <laughs> Nikki Freed making her own allegations. Okay, enough of that. I, I, I live in Florida, so that story made interests me more than it interests everyone else. But I'm telling you the single worst statewide candidate I've ever seen. Finally, last story of the day. You know where I always go for a lot of my left-leaning nonsense. Political playbook, which is going moving to the left of Lenin. Um, every morning, they'll give you kind of a rundown of what the lefties are thinking and talking about. And an argument I made a long time ago to you. when I, I used to talk about the New York City mayor's race when I lived there. Rudy Giuliani, David Dinkins. How New York City went so far left, they never gave a Republican a chance to ever win an election. Rudy Giuliani comes in, boom, wins on his second run. 
changes the whole city. And I made the case to you that it happened because pol- all politics are local, folks. When stuff starts kicking you right in the cojones and has an impact on you personally, things change. Now, you may say all issues affect this person. Yeah, do they really? If your kids are in a public school, does it really affect you, school choice? I'm just being candid with you. Probably not. Tax rates, does it affect you? If you're middle class, you know, sometimes middle class taxes go up, but they usually try to focus on the rich, which usually screws the middle class anyway, but you get the point. Healthcare, if you've got a private insurance plan, and Obamacare really, uh, you know, impact you, it did not that your prices went up, but you didn't really get the kick in the, in the cojones I'm talking about. When I mean a kick, I mean a kick. All this stuff affects you. I'm not trying to, all these policies affect you and affect you deeply, especially in the long run in the United States, but they're not acute in the moment. I said to you that the reason the New York City mayor's race flipped to Rudy Giuliani was because crime was so bad that your own personal car got stolen. It's a problem when your neighbor car, neighbor's car gets stolen. It's a crisis when your car gets stolen. That is why inflation is so damaging and the left is panicking. Look, they're panicking. They're panicking. Playbook. They quote, they quote Joe, unlike nearly every other issue, which could be ignored by most Americans in their daily lives. Sounds like something I just said. Inflation insists on voters' attention. You're damn right it does. And not just when they go to the gas station to discover prices are higher. The financially stressed have a kind of mental overhead, and those who are not financially stressed don't. Constant medical check, uh, me- mental checkbook uh, ch- balancing, constant recognition that buying this means not having that, and doubts about your ability to provide for those you care about most. Folks, this inflation saga is going to destroy the Democrat Party. I tell you that with full confidence because everyone at the kitchen table is talking about it. You can only avoid inflation just like crime so long. It's a problem when your neighbor's rent goes up. It's a crisis when you get kicked out of your house because you can't afford your rent. And that's happening now. And the playbookers are starting to realize that the Democrats are kicking people in the nads every day and it's creating a real problem. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. And thank you. To the lovely Paula, who is back, who is and did it. By the way, I must tell you, if you didn't notice anything about the Friday show different, that's because Paula, who's super smart, we had to give Guy a day off, and today he works hard. Paula came in, and because she's a tech wizard, boom, 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 figured out how to do the show in like a half an hour. So if it didn't look any different, round of applause to Miss Paula. And thank you to all my team, Joe included, who works hard every day, who amazingly has never taken a day off ever in a history of the Dan Bongino show, which still, right, right, Joe, which still shocks me and Paula. He actually did a show from his son's graduation from, what was that, from uh, down south that time, right, Joe? Remember that one from the hotel room? Because that's who Joe Armacosta is. All right, guys, good to see you. See you on the radio show a little later. I have my pastor from the local Paris, who is just fantastic. He'll be a guest on the radio show later. Don't miss that. See you all tomorrow. You just heard Dan Bongino.